Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In Season 2, Episode 27, Sasha interviews the host of the very successful podcast, Life on Purpose, Amy DeBruck. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. Thanks for tuning in. It's Sasha Shilkut, your host, and I'm really excited about today's guest. I just know that there are so many women that are going to connect and be encouraged and be inspired at the end of our conversation today. I want to encourage you, if you are looking for a weekend that you want to escape to, to really kind of recenter yourself and your priorities and what's important in your life, I want to invite you to the Brave Enough Women's Conference. It's going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona in September of this year, the 10th through the 13th. And you can just come as you are. Everybody thinks they have to achieve something to come to this conference. I'm telling you, you can show up in yoga pants and dirty hair and we will accept you as you are and you will leave totally inspired and you may even leave with some new style tips, who knows, or a best friend or two. So without further ado, I want to introduce our guest today. Her name is Amy DeBruck and she and I met through her podcast, which is extremely popular and and she has written a ton of amazing resources for women and men, but I think that she specifically is going to talk to women today on the Brave Enough show about surrendering, surrendering your fear and how to get past anxiety and fear, which I think so many of us women living in 2020 deal with. So welcome to the show, Amy. I'm so excited you're here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here and I love the, uh, Brave Enough Conference. I'm hoping to attend that and um, possibly in yoga pants, but, I, <laughs> but I'm still excited either way, whatever I end up wearing to go. Well, last year it was really funny because on Saturday, like a group of women walked in and the attendance of the conference is so high at every session. It blows me away. And a Saturday morning, I see these women walking in and they're laughing and they're giggling. And I'm like, weren't they wearing that yesterday? And they, <laughs> they were like, we pulled an all nighter. We ordered pizza by the fire pit. We just stayed in our clothes. We laughed. And now we're going to go to the first session. And then we thought we would like take a shower later, like when everything's done, we were laughing so hard. We were like, this is hysterical. It was like college. So, <laughs> Hey, that's great though. That's a great girls weekend right there. I know. So tell us for those that you, that don't know you, tell us about yourself and your passion and what you do for women. Okay. Well, um, I started life on purpose, um, which that's the name of my podcast. And if you find me on um, Facebook, that's my business page. And what that really started was my life journey of uh, removing the anxiety that had really been a burden for years and living life on purpose. And kind of um, for me, that meant, you know, for years, I let fear push me around. Um, I feared I had two. Tra I'll back up a little. I had two tragedies that had happened in my mid 20s. My um, oldest brother had passed away from a brain tumor. And then 16 days later, my firstborn son passed away from an undetected heart abnormality, mm. um, completely unrelated events. Um, but 
because of those events, um, it catapulted this, you know, way too many years of anxiety. And my anxiety was more of a, a silent one. If you saw me um, and met me and talked to me, um, I was perfect at hiding all of that. No one really knew other than in my very, very inner circle. Um, and so it, it was just a struggle. And so what happened was, um, you know, when normal people were getting ready for bed and settling in for the night, my anxiety was severely kicking in. And I was, um, you know, checking my pulse because my heart was racing. And I was just focusing on all the what ifs. What if, you know, what if I'm going to have a heart attack? What if, you know, this rash is something, you know, my mind was just, it would, it would hit everything normal would be irrational thoughts. And so um, instead of uh, focusing on what was actually happening, I would be focusing on what if this happened. And so the reality was fear was kind of stealing my, the joy from my life. That was basically the bottom line. So when I turned 40, when most people were having a midlife crisis, <laughs> I ended up getting a cancer diagnosis. I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And honestly, um, I say that was kind of a gift from God for me. It was the awakening that I needed to stop fearing the future and really live my life on purpose. And so from that point on, I, um, you know, dropped to my knees and I, I finally just surrendered all my fears to God and, um, you know, asked him for, to just take that burden from me. And uh, from then on, I've just decided to live intentionally in all areas of my life, not only health, but, you know, my relationships with either friends and marriage or um, parenting. Um, so I've just intentional living is really what, um, you know, I'm kind of moving forward with. So I just try to encourage other women to do the same thing, to not let um staying silent, you know, and fear is no way to live. And I just want them to hear my story in the hopes that that could maybe change or shift um, something in them to, you know, move forward, um, whether it's with their pride, you know, for me, it was probably a little bit of a pride thing. I was probably embarrassed to share that I had been struggling. So I never really put that out there. But the more I shared and communicated with women and then listening to their stories, you know, boy, there's a lot of healing and growth that comes from that. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, where Life on Purpose came from. So I think there's so much to unpack in what you just said. And, you know, the first thing I think of is, I'm sure you had moments after losing your brother and losing your child that you thought, okay, well, nothing else bad could happen to me because I've already had tragedy that most people never know in a lifetime. So, right. um, I've lost a child. I've lost my brother at a very young age. I'm not going to have any more problems or nothing. You know, God wouldn't let anything else happen to me. But the truth is <laughs> you, you then became, um, sick with cancer at a, at a very young age at a, and at age 40 years old, when, you know, most of us are thinking of, you know, going on the beach vacation or getting the bikini body back, you know, you're facing all of the treatment and, and not just the treatment, but the illness and the, and looking at your life. And I'm sure there, most people would listen to this and, and think, well, 
Like just, I mean, how unfair is that? And like how, of course she has anxiety. Of course she has fear, like, and be really pessimistic. And yet you turn to your faith and then you started sharing that and you built this business and not just a business, but you really built a way for women to go. I mean, I love when you go to your website, the first thing that pops up is like an anxiety, um, quiz, which I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that's so it's like, it's not yes or no. Like, do you have anxiety? Because so many women have this and we struggle with this and so many people have this. So I think it's so inspiring that you didn't let this third tragedy completely derail it, but you actually used it to turn your focus into living an intentional life. So how did you start sharing? Like what were the first steps? Well, for me, I think probably the first steps in sharing was through my writing. Mm -hmm. I started writing. I always wanted to write. Um, I always joke. I have two different college degrees that I never actually used (laughs) full time. I mean, to their fullest potential. I I mean, I did to an extent, but I had a teaching degree and I also had a degree in um, fashion merchandising. And, but then I ended up just being able to, and wanted to stay home with my children. And so I did that. That was my main focus. I would tutor and I would sub at times and all of that. But, um, so I, but I always wanted to write. And, um, when I started writing about my feelings and about my struggles, it, um, I can't really explain it. It just, it helped every time. And I, and I want to also just back up and say, you know, once I did surrender my fears and I, and I prayed about that, it's not a one and done. I don't want to mislead anybody in thinking that, Oh, you know, now I don't worry about anything. And it's a daily mission. You know, it's, it's a daily focus on what, you know, I have to make a choice. Okay. Am I going to try to use logic here or am I just going to let fear push me around? So I don't want people to think that it's always just one and done. It's not, but the writing really helped. And I started just putting pieces out to different publications. Um, I wrote for Women Encouraged. I wrote for Thrive Global, um, just different outlets. And, and then I was getting feedback from people, not just in my inner circle, um, but from people that didn't know me that were just happened to read the article. And that really drew my attention to the fact that other women really might need to hear this. Other women like me who kind of hide behind, you know, like I said, whether it's your pride or you're just embarrassed or whatever it is, might need to hear this. And so I thought, you know, it's not always easy being vulnerable. Some people have I find to be very easy for them. If you look on social media, they're willing to put everything out there. Um, But for other women, it's not that easy and that's okay. And so I just thought, you know, I'm going to put this out here. It's not easy for me. I'm a very private person, but my whole logic or my whole goal actually is if I reach one person and it helps them in some profound way, then there'll be enough for me to keep moving forward. So that's kind of where, you know, the writing started that. And then the podcasting and all of that just kind of has just kind of flown into it. I love it. And I love how you, you know, so many times when people have anxiety, I think about something, they go inward and they just withdraw because, it's a safer thing to do. And I think when we share that we have anxiety about something or we're anxious or we have fear around something, um, 
we're going to, we see it as a weakness, but you did the opposite. You put it out there with writing, which I can identify with. Um, I always talk about, you know, there were several years of my life where I was having babies and trying to learn how to be a doctor. And I don't even remember those years. And, but what's interesting, if you look at my journals, they, I just stopped writing and Mm -hmm. I suffered a lot because I didn't express that through writing. When I, first started to kind of heal, then I started writing again. And so I identify with what you are saying because writing is really therapeutic to me. I think it's really, it's a courageous thing when we put our writing out there for the world. Um, just today, someone messaged me and said, I'm reading your book. I love your book. It's like you've, you're, you've written, I'm reading your journal. And I was like, Oh gosh, that was, that's, that's a little scary. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe I overshared, right. you know, I was like, my first reaction was like, I put too much out there. Um, because when you write and when you share your writings, it's really vulnerable. Don't you think? I mean, I don't know that yeah. there's anything else that quite compares to that. No, I mean the first piece I submitted, which was to thrive global, I was terrified, terrified. There's something about, like you said, putting out, you know, not just your own words, but your own personal experience, your your story, so to speak, and having people, you don't know how they're going to receive that. Are they going to be offended? Are they going to be, you know, encouraged? You just don't know. So it's, it's very frightening. I still find it frightening. I mean, I just finished um, a book that's going to be released in the fall. And as excited as I am, I'm also like, oh boy, like, I don't know. Once you, like you said, am I sharing too much? Am I, you know, you just, it's just that game that you play, but it's hard. But I do think that they're the best thing I ever did was because I was that person that you just described. I was the person who the minute I was struggling, I would remove myself from, you know, meeting with friends going out. It just like, you know, I would tell my husband, Oh, I don't really feel like doing that. I was that person. I could just retreat back to my home and, and, you know, and all I was doing was sitting around and my worrying was multiplying. It wasn't doing me any, any favors. It was, it was harming me more than anything. But once you are able to verbalize it there, even just telling a friend, which it took me years to figure that out, but even being able to just say something, it does help. There's something freeing in just being able to just out loud or writing it down and just saying, getting it out. I guess it's just some form of expressing it and acknowledging that fear. And then it's right in front of you. And then you, you have to, you have to do something about it, I think. And that, but yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it, it is scary. Um, but I do think, and I, I know you would agree, um, with all your experience and, and your book is totally engaging. I, you know, I haven't finished it, but it's hard to put down. Um, <laughs> but it is scary when you have, when it's your story, it's it is. personal and it, it, you know, because it does mean something it's, it's part of you and it's, it's part of your life. And don't you think so often conflicts, I coach a lot of women who are conflicted, Um, many of the times it's between either they're in a job that requires an enormous amount from them and they're struggling with balancing how to be a mom or how to, how to be there for their spouse or their ailing parents or their, the other people in their life or just how to take care of themselves. And 
when I really start talking to them about the decisions to have the difficult conversations or the crucial conversations, um, or just the courage to bring up, think about different options, work options and going part-time or changing jobs, it always comes back to fear. Um, their decision, either it's fear of letting someone down or fear of hurting their reputation or fear of failure or even fear of success. Cause I also coach women who may want to go for a job or do something, start something. And they're just terrified that what, what, well, what if it really works? Like, then what do I do? Right. Um, so I think fear is such a powerful emotion that we don't acknowledge. Like we don't think of it as actually fear. We just think something's wrong with us. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting that you said that about, and I love that you actually said that about people and how you're able to advise them in a whole gamut of things is because the podcast that I do is we, every month we, we take a new topic and you're right. I don't think initially people even would label that as a fearful thing. Like, you know, this month we're talking about careers and workplace fears and it, And it's that it's, you know, either the fear of, and it's, that's so funny. What if I am successful at this? Or what if I do get this job? Or, you know, how am I going to balance it all with motherhood or marriage or, but all of that, or then, you know, another month we could be talking about marriage and, or parenting or there's anxiety and fear, I think plays into, it can play into every aspect of your life. Oh, it's absolutely. Just, yeah. It's just a, ma- a matter of, I think, learning how to, you know, manage it, learning how to have, you know, having the proper tools and resources and, and all of that. But it is amazing to me. And I really, until I really um, started this journey, I can't even say for sure that I even recognized how it, it really affects every you know, really every aspect in our lives. Well, how did you, okay. So you talked about, um, when you got the cancer diagnosis and everybody would start going to bed and your anxiety would start ramping up and you would start going through. And it's so funny because why does, why do we always have fear at three in the morning? (laughs) Like why? (laughs) Like, I don't know why that is. I'm going to ask God someday, like, why can I fall asleep? But then if I'm going to think about something horrendous, it's going to be 3am, you know? Um, (laughs) I don't know why I literally, there has to be some physiological, neurological reason for this. Um, but like, what did you do to turn, to flip the switch? Like, what did you do in those moments? How did you self coach? Well, so after I got the cancer diagnosis and after I just surrendered that, that was starting to diminish, but up until that point. So when I, so when those tragedies happened, I was uh, about 26 and then I got, you know, my cancer diagnosis at 40. Now I'm almost 50. But so at those times at night, it would be, um, I would get up. I mean, I did try to have some practices in play. Um, I would either have like a, a relaxation. I would try to do breathing. Um, and so I could manage it if that sounds right. I mean, it, it sounds kind of silly, but I could function. I wasn't somebody who necessarily um, needed to be medicated, um, which I don't know if that's good or bad. Sometimes when you fall, like kind of just fly under the radar and you're able to manage it, that's good. But 
it could have been better if I could have just not been so consumed with it, I guess is what I'm saying. So I was able to manage it with just that kind of stuff. I would, I had certain practices that helped. One was I would write my fears down um, on my, I, on a little, I keep a little notepad on my nightstand and I would sit up in bed the minute my mind started racing. And I think some of that nighttime, and maybe you would agree with us is because all and I have four children and I don't I know you have four children. That's when like <laughs> all the calm starts or it's supposed to. Yeah, that's when you, you can know? actually think everybody, about yourself and think about things. Yes. Yes. Everybody resides to their own beds and then you're like, oh shoot, I have to think about me right now. Yeah. So <laughs> um, so I would just keep a notepad and I would try to, you know, write down what are my fears. I'd write them down. So that was one thing I would do. Another would be I would do a breathing technique. A lot of times it was that four, seven, eight. Um, or I would get up. Sometimes I would just have to get up. I would have to get up. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but I would, you know, the ch- I, I don't know for uh, other anxieties, you know, people who struggle out there, but checking my pulse was just that thing that you did. You just check your pulse. You want to see how fast your heart is racing. And then I would do the breathing techniques and I would just recheck it and feel myself calming down, feeling my heart rate going down. And that would make me feel better. But I, a lot of times I'd have to get up and recognize the moment that I was in any time that I lazily, and I will admit sometimes I didn't do what I was supposed to do and it made it worse. If I just laid there and dwelled on it and didn't really do what I was supposed to do, it would be worse. But if I got up, I don't know if it was taking some ownership of it or just, you know, acknowledging it or what it was that always seemed to help a little bit, you know, just being able to move around and get my mind on something else. And, and, you know, but laying there, not a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you're just lazy. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm saying to myself, I know I should be getting up right now. (laughs) I know. But I just don't feel like it. I love that you talk about writing them down because one of the things that I teach the women in my master classes, I have them write down all the negative voices that they hear in their head about themselves. Mm. And they're like, why are you having every time someone in the class is like, why are we having to write this negative stuff? And I'm like, cause I want you to see it. If you can't see it, you don't know that you're actually like these voices, these thoughts that you're having are just on download and repeat over and over. Once you know, oh my gosh, this is how I talk to myself. These are the thoughts in my head when I look at myself in the mirror or when I mess up at work or when I'm struggling with my kids. This is what the, if you don't recognize those negative thoughts, you can't actually take them captive. So I have people write these thoughts down and it's so revealing. I think when we write down our fears or, or we actually put a name to them because because it's sometimes we don't realize how long they've been there or how they've, they've been on repeat and influencing decisions. You know, um, I talk to a lot of women who at this stage of their life, they're very isolated, even though they're with people all day, they're lonely. Um, and it's because, and, and I think it's this just position, which is interesting. We're so busy but we are so uh, isolated, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> like we, yes. we, what we want is solitude, but what we don't, what we experience is loneliness. And, yeah. and I talk to so many women who are like this and then I'll say, you know, like, 
well, why don't you reach out to this woman that you're, you've been talking about, or why don't you join this? And they're like, well, I don't think they would like me, or I don't think I would fit in. And fear is what is keeping them back. Um, but I always encourage women, you know, we really, when we're going through the middle of our life, we actually need other women, in my opinion, so much, even though that's the time of our life where we're so busy and we think having friends is frivolous, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. No, but I agree. I think you're right. I think the interaction and I think it's harder now, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say with social media, because you're, it's like you're, you're interacting, but you're not, you're not getting that personal connection. You're not having that, like we were talking before, you know, like sitting down and having a pot of coffee, not this rush, you know, Hey, Hey, and you know, you know, an emoji here and a, and a (laughs) like here. And, and I mean, and, and it is because we're busy. It's, it's legitimately being busy, but I do think it's important and, you know, to be intentional about scheduling that in, you know, Oh, absolutely. Two hours coffee with a friend or catching up with a friend or whatever, like it is, is a necessary priority. And I, and I, I agree the older I get. And it's funny because I didn't recognize that in my twenties and you're probably because I didn't need it as much, but as I'm getting older, I crave that. I crave being able to talk like real conversations with women and just, I mean, that's one of the reasons I love the podcast the most is listening, having actually an hour where I'm just talking with another woman and, and engaging in a real conversation and it, there's nothing like it. No. And it's interesting. Cause I, I wrote a paper about, um, I was actually writing a paper about gender bias in, in gender issue equity in the workplace, in the U S workforce. And so I was doing all this research, uh, for this article and, I found, I, I stumbled upon, I just kind of went down this rabbit hole and I stumbled upon this Ted talk of this woman who's like an expert in the, how women have worked throughout the generations. And it was so interesting to me because basically women, you know, the men would go away and hunt and the women like ruled the town. Like they like ruled the community. They Mm -hmm. taught everybody. They were the teachers. They were the, they were the hunt. They were the uh, farmers and they basically fed everybody, took care of everybody. They were the doctors and nurses, so to speak. They were the healers. And basically, but the difference is that they were in community. Mm. So they were all doing it together. So for example, if your neighbor, it was time for your neighbor's harvest all the women got together, went over there, part of the, some of them cooked, some of them taught the children, some of them did the, the, the healing and the medicine stuff. And some of them went out into the field and worked, but they were together in this community. And then she talked about like going through the generations of how we've lost that. And then, you know, in, you know, in the 40 thirties and forties, women were in the homes and actually being in your home was very isolating. So Mm -hmm. then when you went, then when, you know, the kind of like in the seventies, when women started going back into the workplace and in the eighties, they were very isolated. They, they hadn't, they've lost, we had lost over the last hundred years, that sense of community and working alongside other women and the way that it changed in the economy and the way that it changed relationships with other women. And I'm like, it's so funny because even now I'll say, you know, oh, I'm honey, I'm having a girl's night or something. And my husband kind of rolls his eyes and giggles and he's like, okay, here you go. But I'm like, 
actually, this is really good for society, for women to commune together and to work alongside one another and to have and to share that common bond. Um, so right. it's, it's really, I think it's something that I know as a woman I crave, um, especially at times in my life that I'm struggling. I really need that connection. Mm-hmm. And I, you're right, especially when you're especially when you're struggling, you know, and I think that, and it's funny that you said that because you're right years ago, it was like, you know, that expression, it takes a village. Well, it takes a village when you're working together and you are working as a community and you're building each other up and you're helping each other and really supporting each other instead of feeling like you're in competition with each other. You know, that's a different dynamic, but when you feel like then the woman, you know, before you and after you have your back and, and you're trying to make the, you know, motherhood and life and, Ugh, su- know. you know, career a success, that's huge. I mean, I always, always love the scripture, um, iron sharpens iron, mm-hmm. because I just, I think that is so important. I think when we can help, you know, strengthen and sharpen somebody else that, you know, that's what we should be doing. Not trying to one up somebody or not trying to be jealous. They're doing this and I'm doing that. Well, let's help each other out. Right. Or not measuring ourselves compared to another human being. Absolutely. You know, everybody has that. their unique worth, right? Everybody has something to offer. Yes. And, and I think that, um, the beautiful thing about sharing an anxiety or fear with a friend is if I think either way, if they have the same fear, they're going to be able to be, they're going to show empathy. If they don't, they're going to have an objective way to give you feedback on that fear. You know, I always think I'm always so thankful for my friends who don't struggle with the same fears I do because they'll tell me really objective data that I need to kind of change my thought model around and, and look at it from a different perspective. And then I go, Oh, that, that is a little illogical to have that fear or, or they'll say, well, okay, so what if that happens? You know, I was, I recently did a Ted, I did a Ted talk last year and I'm always telling people I will never do that again (laughs) because it was so stressful for me because I had to have, it's more memorized and more of a scripted talk. And that's typically, I love public speaking. I, I can get it. And it wasn't getting up in front of hundreds of people. It was the fact that I had to have this scripted and that's not typically how I talk. And so I was telling a friend about it and I was like, I'm just going to forget this part or I'm going to forget this section. And, or, you know, what if I just totally go off on this other area? And she's like, well, what if you do? You know, she's like, (laughs) nobody's going to know. Nobody knows the script. Just keep talking. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been having anxiety about this for like six weeks. I wish I would have told her earlier because then once she said that to me, I was like, you're right. The audience doesn't have my script. They're not going to know if I'm going off script or not. So I think sometimes it's good when we share our anxiety or fear with people that don't have those because they can have some objectiveness to give us that feedback. But I love our conversation, Amy, and I want people to be able to go to your website, listen to the podcast and just get help. If they are having anxiety, you have tons of resources for women to kind of break down what's holding them back in fear. So tell our audience, how can they find out more about you? Well, you can um, connect with me on my website at um, surrenderyourfear.com. 
Um, and there you could, you can access everything, but if you want to just go to different, you know, places, if you find me on social media, you can go at Amy Debrick, which is A-M-Y-D-E-B-R-U-C-Q-U-E. I apologize for that long last name. Um, but on Facebook, um, you can look up Life on Purpose as well as the podcast and um, the podcast airs on anchor, Spotify, Apple. Um, so yeah, if you, if you Google life on purpose, normally I'll come up, my name will come up and, and you can find me there. But so awesome. I, I would love to, uh, yeah, I would love to connect with, with anyone and help them in any way that I can. So a fresh perspective is always, always a good one. Yes, it is. Well, thank you again for coming on. And for those that are listening, I hope that we gave you some tips on how to live life on purpose, what it means to really surrender your fear and how to have a bright future ahead of you. And so I hope as always, when you go through this week, you live brave. This has been an HSG production. 